Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with Hank Owl. Hank Owl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Judas and the Black Messiah, and kind of Oscar, Oscar-y movie that came out on Friday uh, on theaters and on HBO Max. But before that, last week, it was Super Bowl Sunday. And during Super Bowl Sunday, well, during the Super Bowl, not just during the day Sunday, during the Super Bowl, we got a trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the next Disney Plus Marvel series. We did indeed. I feel like if I could just for... 10 seconds, just go ahead and admit that we were both dead wrong on what would happen in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Since we did, I believe we gave an on-air uh, prediction. Yeah, we did. And we were wrong. So, all right, moving on <laughs> from that. Yes, uh, so, trailer, I mean, we expected to get something from Marvel or in the Super Bowl. I mean, this this would kind of be it. It's the most recent thing that's coming after uh, WandaVision. So, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was... I mean, it's exciting. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna take whatever Marvel will give. So, <laughs> right. I'm, I agree with that too. Uh, and I I'm, feel, go ahead. It feels like a little bit of a return to uh, Marvel form, kind of with what's going on with Wandavision, because this is this is, you know, very reminiscent of you know Winter Soldier and Civil War, of Ca- Captain America Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War. Because I mean, basically, what I'm what I mean by that is kind of like the banter and the action and the explosions, basically, that we've gotten less of in Wandavision. I've seen a lot of comparisons to like a Fast and Furious. Oh, like interesting! It looks like a Fast and Furious movie. Okay, I've not seen any of those, so it's hard for me to. No, I can't. I can't picture that either. Uh, well, yeah, I wonder what what would they mean by that. I think what they mean is like the. I think the banter, the jokes, and the explosions. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it looks like a fun buddy, buddy, buddy movie. You know, it's a TV show, but like you know, two crime fighting buddies who will get along and sometimes not get along and work out their differences. Uh, but I, it was funny as well. I, I'm excited, especially. I'm hoping they can roll it out like they've done, um, like we have with Mandalorian and like we have with WandaVision. Oh yeah, no, it is going to be weekly. So I'm because I'm I, maybe it just feels retro, but I like having like Fridays to look forward to the new no I th- the new I show think, for I us. I hope it's normally, on Fridays. Like I enjoy shows we watch weekly more than the shows we binge. Okay, that's good to know. Um, yeah, I think it looks exciting. I'm excited for the uh, villain. R- remind me his name. Zemo. Zemo, and he was the guy who was in. He was the villain of Captain America: Civil War, played by Daniel Brühl. Yeah, he was great, and I like that he has a legit, like, backstory grievance of why he's being quote evil for us, you know, or why he's you know the, you know, antagonist. And it's possible he's going to be more. I mean, we see in this trailer that he's got his mask. He's going to be wearing his costume. His costume. Well, I think there's two Zemos in the comics. There's like an older one that's like with the Nazis, and then there's a one that's in modern day times. But like his costume looks stupid. Like really, it's like a, <laughs> in the in the in the comics it does. It's like a purple mask and a purple jumpsuit, and he fights with a sword. Uh, swords can be cool. 
Not right, him. Ronan had a sword. Was good. Ronan had a katana. That's different. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gone. I don't know. It just looks good. There's some like mystery to it. There's some masked people that we're not really sure who are. I've seen that it's maybe the Flag Smashers. Oh, really? It's a group from the comics I know nothing about. Do they like to smash flags? I thought they might. (laughs) You'd think so. Ironically, no. (laughs) Uh, What about, I'm glad the the female FBI agent. Agent, Technically Agent Carter, but I think the name is Agent 13. Oh, that's right. She is a Carter, right? Because she's a niece? She's She's not the daughter. She's... Daughter would be weird. It's a niece, right? It's a niece. It's a niece. Yeah, Aunt Peggy. I think is what she said. Yes. Because that'd be weird for Steve. Yeah. A little bit of a flirty, romantic kind of... Yeah, that's just weird talking about it. I don't even... Uh, let's move on. <laughs> now, one thing that people noted is the lack of conc- uh, like inclusion. Like We saw him for a little bit. The character of U.S. Agent... Who's that? I know nothing about him in the comics, but I think his role in the show is going to be is he's like the government choice for the next Captain America. Okay, so he's probably going to be like the the government side antagonist. Yes. That's cool. I kind of hope they they kind of touch on like the maybe the people don't want Falcon to be like like he's more of like an American like soldier like playing at the football game, apple pie and baseball. I kind of don't want him to be Captain America, you know, because he has no superpowers. Well, yeah. But, like, no, your issue with that is different because, like, there was, like, response online, like, and it wasn't like they tried to do it a little more subtly, but it's like, oh, no, we don't want a black person to be Captain America. I wonder if they're going to... So I hope hope they touch on that, and if they do, I hope they do it well. I hope they do, too. I hope they they acknowledge that. Oh, and U.S. Agent's going to be played by Wyatt Russell. Who is that? Kurt Russell's son. Okay. I'm not familiar with him or his work. Never his mind. dad's very talented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his mom's very talented too, for that matter. I think it's Melanie Griffith. That <laughs> could be, no, that's Don Johnson's. I don't know. I think he, I think Kurt Russell married an actor also. Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Goldie Hawn. No, right? I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> Hold on. He married uh, Farrah Fawcett. I don't know. I'm making things up now. Uh, I thought it, I thought the trailer looked, looked good and fun, and again because it's Marvel, I'm sure it'll be done very well and have different layers to it. It is Goldie Hawn. It's Goldie Hawn. All right, so she's super talented. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Did, is it, do we know when it's coming out? You know, about two weeks after the end of WandaVision, which means that's perfect. I know. That, I mean, they really made it so that like we are. Marvelous, like no time. <laughs> this year. They hey. want after twenty twenty. They want to remind us that they exist. That's right. That's so right. I think I think it's uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier up until early May when uh, Black Widow comes out. Well, that's just a movie. That's not going to tide us over terribly long, right? We need another series. Yeah, but I think I think another series starts right after that, and maybe uh, Loki. Well, all right. But I'm not sure. Gives us lots of things to talk about on a podcast. I'm for it. I mean, there's like, there's a ton of stuff. Like, I think the last Marvel thing is Spider-Man 3. What do you mean by the last Marvel thing? That we get this year is Spider-Man 3. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, we went went through the year earlier, and there was like, there's just a ton. There's just 
But that's... I think there was like four weeks where we don't have new Marvel content at all this year. <laughs> it is the year of Marvel for us. It is. Uh, well, very cool. So any uh, any hopes for the series? Or is there anything you'd want to see and you don't want to see? Just that it's good. Yeah, just, just be good. I hope it's a little less humorous. I think maybe as I'm getting older, like I... I like, I mean, I'm not like 50. I mean, that's not what I mean. I'm not, <laughs> my hair is not turning gray, but I think if I'm moving from a, from a kid into a teenager, um, like I, I kind of want less of the jokey stuff. I'm kind of recognizing the... Less Adam West Batman and more Christopher Nolan Batman? Yes. Yes. As much as like the stereotype of like the, the dark good teenager, one more Nolan Batman. My parents died. Yes. They were murdered. Zack Snyder's an auteur. <laughs> um, but no, like I do kind of want you know less jokiness. I think one of my issues with episode, no, I mean, go listen to our WandaVision talk. That was kind of a spoiler for my opinions on WandaVision. Um, one of the episodes of WandaVision where they kind of they show some more of the outside, some more those introductions of their characters, and I feel like they got a little too marvelly and jokey, and I kind of want less of that. Going back to your uh, Zack Snyder comment, there was a meme that I, I meant to show you, and you probably have seen, but it's a it's a guy talking to a girl like in a bar, and she's looking straight ahead and just bored to tears, and he's kind of leaning over, kind of whispering in his ear. It's like, well, you know, Snyder shot in this ratio of film, but then he had it transferred to this, and that symbolizes this, and goes on and on and on about all the Zack Snyder stuff and the Snyder cut and. Um, <laughs> get really technical with the cinematography and it's pretty wonderful. Yes. I thought of you. <laughs> I like, sometimes when I see that and I know there are like definitely symbolic reasons behind certain my certain things are done in film. Like some of it's got to be like that looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think and, like, right. and that shouldn't be I don't feel like that. That's, I know I don't think it is but it shouldn't be like shunned. Like, right. Like, like, just, like that's a legit reason. Like, it looks that, cool. That looks good. Is like a fine enough reason for a shot. <laughs> right. And then those experts can go beyond that level and know why it looks good. But I'm not there. Triangles. Right. The human psyche likes triangles. I mean, it does, actually. But like... <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, we do. We, we certainly seem to. All right. So cool. So a new series to watch. Looking good trailer. You think we'll get another trailer before... Um, I hope not. Yeah, but... I like how the Mandalorian did. We got one trailer, and I hope I hope it's like the Mandalorian did because the Mandalorian followed my rules for trailers, and the trailer only showed footage from the first half of the season. That is a good rule. And WandaVision, WandaVision hasn't been doing that. Like they post like a new like mini trailer that they play on TV the day the new episode comes out with footage of the new episode. But so far, nothing's nothing's hurting. There's been no harm with that so far. I'm harmed. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I, I can see how it would be. They're, they're doing a good job. They're, so, they're not spoiling any mysteries. No, they're not. Which is what really, it was really terribly annoying when that happens. So yeah, I hope we don't get another trailer. And I hope this trailer only shows footage from the first half of the season. Yeah. Yeah, exciting. Um, so let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. This is not spoilery if you haven't seen the movie you can continue listening to the podcast i think we should put that out there since we've been mainly been doing wandavision and those have been spoiler podcasts. right 
All right, so Judas and the Black Messiah is the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his fateful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. It stars Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton, uh, Lakeith Stanfield as FBI informant Bill O'Neill, Jesse Plemons as FBI agent who's, you know, employing Bill O'Neill. I don't know if you call it employing. Using Bill O'Neill is uh, Je- is uh, Jesse Plemons. And Deborah Johnson, a love interest for Fred Hampton, is played by Dominique Fishback. This movie is directed by Shaka King. The story is by Will Burson, Shaka King, and the Lucas brothers, Kenneth and Keith. And the screenplay is by Will Burson and Shaka King. What did you think of this movie? I liked it a lot. Uh, I really, really did. Uh, I thought the acting was exceptional across the board, but especially Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, every scene that he was in, there was something fun and remarkable and cool to watch. Uh, when he's giving his speeches, you know, that's kind of like a for a film like this, you know, that's usually a, a big trope. You know, he nails them. He nails the quiet moments. He has this wonderful kind of inner strength, and um, heaviness to his body, this groundedness that is so really serves him and the character well, especially when going into uh, situations that could be fraught with danger. Uh, he's got this kind of cool, calm, and collected vibe, and kind of like a really just steady, wholesome vibe. Uh, so I, I thought he was exceptional. I'd be surprised if he was not nominated for, you know, some kind of award uh, coming I think, up. I think he's most, I think from what I've seen, he's predicted to win the Best Actor Oscar. For this year? I mean, for, is it? For, for this year. Oh, cool. Um, that'd be interesting. Like, I, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I guess we'll have to see who else is nominated, but I can't say about winning, but I, I I feel like he will definitely get nominated. Um, so I love the acting across the board, but again, Daniel Kaluuya, most of all. Uh, I liked how the movie respected its audience. You know, the story, without any spoilers, I mean, it's history. So, you know, and just from the setup that you read a minute ago, you know, it's kind of clear what kind of genre we're in a little bit. You know, what's going on procedurally when you have like an FBI informant. We've seen you know, tons of movies that have informants. And what they did, they they eliminate a lot of the scenes that we've seen a ton of times that don't really do anything. So we see Jesse Plemons, you know, interview um, Wild Bill, but we don't go in all the details of the, the micronutia of how the informant works. Because, you know, the filmmakers know the audience already knows how informants work with the FBI. Uh, same, there's a scene later on where, uh, you know, uh, he's wearing a wire. And, you know, we, we don't, uh, they spare us the details of the taping on the wire scene, you know, that is like in every single movie and they talk about it and the, the person who's the informant is all nervous about it. And so they spare us a lot of the tropes that we have already know about. And so that moves it along and kind of it keeps the audience a little bit on guard um, and not really settled in, in a good way because you're just because you're you're having to keep up. You're having to pay attention. 
but I really kind of like, I kind of really kind of like that actually. Um, and then I also loved how it's framed in the beginning, a little bit in the middle and in the end with, uh, documentary scenes from, uh, you know, true life interviews with, uh, Wild Bill. And I thought, uh, sometimes they have the actor, you know, they also film the actor doing those. And then at the end, and I, again, this is not a, I guess it is a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler as far as a dramatic question goes. Uh, they like how, I like how they framed it that way at the end with the actual person going and doing it. So, um, yeah, those are three things that I really liked. What about you? What did you like about it? Uh, kind of same as you. And I think it's, is the same. Cause I think this is the main draw for the movie is the performances is the acting. Obviously, uh, Daniel Kaluuya does a fantastic job. He has this great kind of like you were saying, but I think in a different way, this like energy and charisma and likability that he does. Like you can see his, like his, his power and his influence when the way he, you know, he talks and the way he does his speeches and the, the speech scenes are the best scenes in this movie. And man, that's mainly because of, the great job that Kaluuya does and getting that energy out there. I think he also does a good job and the script doesn't allow for these moments as much as I would like, I would like it to of kind of getting into the psyche of the, of the character kind of showing that out for the audience and getting that out there. I think if the script had more moments like this, he'd do them great, but the script doesn't, but he still does it great. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, who plays Bill, uh, also does a great job. He does, you know, confliction very well. I don't even not even sure if confliction is a word, but I think you get the point I'm saying. What do you mean by? I mean, honestly, I, I'm not. Yeah, but he mean? does a good job of playing a character that is conflicted. Okay, <laughs> all right, so all right, there we go. So he plays the emotion, <laughs> at least in the way I in the way I'm saying it, of confliction. That's that's not a word. I don't think. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's that's also good. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. That, I mean, I, actually, I, I'm just gonna say that he just does. He does a great job playing a conflicted character. He's a great actor. He does a great performance. Uh, I wish they would given uh, Jesse Plemons more to do, but what he does in this movie, he does great. I, I'm generally a fan of Jesse Plemons. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I like I liked him in Black Mirror. I liked him in I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yeah, no, he's. I think he's good as well. Uh, yes. Um. I think uh, Deborah Johnson is the character that gets the most emotional moments in this movie, and uh, Dominique Fishback has absolutely no trouble doing that. It's she's incredible, and that's the one where I don't have to preface. It. I wish they would have done something different with the character. No, Dominique Fishback is just great, and I think that character is well is well created. Um, I I enjoyed the my favorite parts of this movie are the beginning and the end. And that's for two reasons. The first one is the use of documentary footage. Like you said, when we see the documentary footage, one, it just reminds us of how, you know, real this is. And also, I think, like, when we, to avoid spoiling, there was one point where we get to see the real Bill O'Neill in uh, footage. And, like, those parts of the movie, like, I think they they kind of reflect something a little more interesting than I think we get to see in the majority of this movie. Like there's, especially in that one bit of footage we think we see, like part of me was like, Oh man, he's doing a great, 
great performance. It's like, oh no, that's real. That's real. <laughs> it's like, why, why is, why is this not in the rest of the movie? Um, and the second part is that like beginning and end do a good job of enforcing and basically a lot of the middle too. Like basically, the movie does a good job of, of introducing interesting concepts. Maybe if it's not done in the best writing or the best character creation, the concepts are interesting. I love the you know the the greed and the idea of fighting for oneself or fighting for a group, but capitalism versus socialism, and they do got a good job of getting their point across that way. The script, I just wish it was done it was better with characters, the characters. But overall, like the the points they try to get across to the script are gotten across well, and it's interesting, and it makes you think. So I think that's it gets its message along nicely. Uh, one of the things I didn't like, and as I, I mentioned through all my positive ones, I did not like the character creation of this movie. I think you get a feeling that Shaka King and Will Burson don't fully know what they want these characters to be. Uh, this is mainly the case for uh, Bill, who's kind of our main character here, who doesn't really get a you know character moment. Or that's I don't think that's that's completely accurate. But there's no moment where we get to you know like see something more maybe complex than like the the baseline like uh the baseline being of being conflicted. And not being not really sure and being like uh, pulled between two different organizations. I wish we'd gotten a little more into his head to who that character was. I think um I think a lot of this is like they're more they're more great ideas of characters. Like Bill like then is the great idea of like the the conf- the conflicted Sorry if I'm getting the cat is doing his best to interrupt me. He's like right in front of my face. He's knocking over the microphone, so that's why I'm, uh, I'm that's why I'm a bit like pausing a bit. I'm trying to make sure he doesn't knock anything over. Um. All right, there's the characters are more kind of ideas of characters. Bill is the idea of the conflicted traitor being pulled between two organizations. Hampton is the idea. Of a, a powerful leader who maybe there's and there's you know issues with being like is that is that good for his family is that good for him as a human being, um, and then Agent Roy is more the idea of like the morally conflicted company man, but like none of them feel like real people. I think is an issue I had. Like you could tell, and this is not because of the performances which were great, and this is more because of the writing and more. And not that anything they actually did was that poorly. It's the lack of stuff. It's the lack of these like slower character moments that made me think like, oh, these these. I mean, even though they are real people watching the movie, the people, the characters in the movie, even though they are real, are not real. That's 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 I I, I explained that quite poorly. The real people <laughs> that existed in real life are are real. The characters in this movie. Who are the real people, but you know are not really. These are the 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 real people as they pertain to this movie. Do not feel real. Do not feel real. Okay. I, I hope I got my my point across through that. I don't think I did it incredibly well, but hopefully, hopefully what I hopefully my point got across. Anything you didn't like about this movie? Well, I wouldn't characterize it as, as things I don't like. You know, there's things I didn't like as much as the things I mentioned earlier. 
and I, I share what your um, feeling and thinking regarding uh, Wild Bill's character, especially. And it's weird because it feels like a contradiction. So I was not really sure what he was thinking and feeling at different moments of the film. Like, I'm not sure what his journey emotionally and his character journey was. In the beginning, the very first, you know, uh, interview, you get a feeling that he's not political. You know, he's not like in passion for like, you know, black rights. He's, but also he's being interviewed the FBI. So you don't know how much is true or not, but he's talking about, you know, MLK didn't, you know, the death didn't affect him that much or you don't know where he is. And, and this will feel very, again, very contradictory because if they had just played out the normal informer loyalty trope that we've seen a hundred times where, you know, he starts to feel aligned with the person that he's going to rat out and then it conflicts anyways, we, we'd probably be saying, oh, that's a cliche journey. You know, we've seen that a hundred times. Yeah, we'll do it again. But this time, because I wasn't sure, I found it a little bit frustrating. Like, I didn't know what the character was thinking and feeling when certain events would happen that generally, like, you know. Like, I don't know what his journey was. And that's compounded by his testimony at the end of the thing, which I won't talk about right now. But um, So I think I shared with you this kind of vagueness of character maybe complaints not strong and I mean is too strong but just I wanted more I wanted to know more um and something I, there's a moment I didn't love either and I got well there there's certainly violence in this movie something I I didn't love I didn't understand the end game I didn't understand the big picture with the Black Panther movement we, we we have some rumors and knowledge and conversations about other chapters and we we do meet some people from different chapters but there's a scene later on that takes place you know in um in an apartment it turns violent and it didn't seem like it needed to turn violent and i'm not sure if that was a planned or reaction or why they did that, because it doesn't turn out well, but it seems like it was pretty easily preventable. And again, I know I'm being vague, but I don't want to go into spoilers just yet. So there was, I wish I had a, a little bigger picture elements to be able to place where we are uh, in, again, in the journey for the characters. And I guess something I didn't love as much is that some of the even though it is violent, it's not uh, it's not overly violent by any means. It's not graphic violent either. Uh, the violence is not very impactful, really, to me. the The choice to show certain things to not show things, you know, to, to have things be off camera. I I'm not sure. It almost uh, it, it didn't it didn't have the impact that I think it could have if we had seen some of these certain things happen. I think we would feel some more emotional pull, or you know. So I would say those are those are some things that I didn't necessarily love. Some choices that were made, but 
Can I ask you a couple of questions to you about um like what did you what do you what did you know about the Black Panther party going into this? If anything. Very, very little. I knew a little bit more about like the, the socialism aspect of it. Uh, but really all I knew is that they were not what the media back then said they were. Like that's really it. Like I, I knew they were they were painted a little bit, and this could be completely accurate because I don't know. Um, I don't think it was completely accurate, but um, that was kind of like a terrorist organization, and maybe they weren't exactly that. That that's honestly that was what my impression going in. That's how little we learned about uh, them in school uh, or anywhere else. Or I mean, that's not 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 just on school; it's also on me for not knowing my history. But I I would would say they were like a black militant violent organization. And I certainly didn't know about food drives, uh, like the good they were doing in the community. I didn't know about the fact that the Rainbow Coalition, which I don't know if that's a term they coined, but when I think of Rainbow Coalition, I always think of like Jesse Jackson when he ran for president, uh, talked about forming a Rainbow Coalition, but clearly that would have been influenced and received from possibly, you know, from this. I don't know if that's the first time that term's been used or not, but I had no idea that that was even a part of it. Like when they, they were able to assemble, you know, white African-American, you know, and, you know, Latin um, people who have been oppressed and bring them together. Like I never would have said that about the Black Panther Party. You know, it's my own ignorance. Yeah, so and I, I think, I think, I mean, education, American education and the media has a habit of maybe like taking these like you know so quote unquote radical like people and maybe not fully educating us about them. like I remember like even like me like when like we learned about the like civil rights movement like they didn't really touch on Malcolm X terribly much and like the impression that we were like left with was like MLK was the good peaceful one and Malcolm X was the bad violent one right I'm and sure there's not accurate it seems yeah i'm sure there's there's a ton of nuance and uh, yeah i wish i knew exactly how i wish i had to, to educate you better on that that's something we can work on together actually um so those are the kind of like yeah so i would say those are the things i didn't love love as much is just not really tracking some of the journeys i thought they did a excellent job with Jesse Plemons' character, the FBI agent, of giving him a ton of nuance. You know, it felt like he was like one of the good guys, you know, in the beginning of the film. And, you know, his journey of questioning and seeing, you know, you know, one of the key figures of the 20th century, J. Edgar Hoover, and dealing with him, I thought they gave a lot of nuance and variety to him when they didn't have to. You know, we were speaking in another podcast talking about WandaVision with the uh, kind of the government antagonist, you know, and not seeing a lot of nuance there and being disappointed. But I thought they gave Jesse Plemons a ton of nuance. Oh, yeah. I think they did a great job. That's that's kind of why I wish we'd seen more of him. Yeah. And I guess seeing more is something that I would like to do just in general, because I would have liked to spend more time with more of these characters, getting to know them, even the periphery, peripheral characters, um, and see more of a progression. Like I would have liked to spend, like this could have been a limited series to me. You know, you could have given me six one-hour episodes and I would have, I think, enjoyed that ride 
even more. And I think I would have learned a little bit more. Uh, and I know the, the the purpose of this film, you know, is generally, you know, it's not to inform, it's to entertain. But, you know, the best, or kind of do both. And I think this does does a lot of that, but I just, I wanted kind of, I wanted more. Well, I guess, well, entertained and effect, like thought. Yeah, well. some things, some films. This one, certainly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do we want to um, talk about spoilers I, now or go, go through that or? I guess the question I was about was a little more spoilery. I guess I have um, a little bit of more of a questions of like, you mentioned the apartment. Uh, you mentioned like the scene where like you didn't know if something was completely necessary. If you could uh, expand on that. Yeah. So let's, let's go into spoiler territory because I don't want to. So there's a scene. So spoilers. 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 If, Three, I mean, I would two, oh, oh score, score oh, okay, before yeah. we go into spoilers. Grade before we go into spoilers. So I'm gonna give this a, a solid B. Uh, I liked it a lot, but it, it's sort of uh, yeah, it's a solid B. It's a good film. I never come up with a grade beforehand, and that's on me. <laughs> that's, uh, I think I'm thinking a B or a B minus or a C plus. Um, Pick one of those. I'm gonna go with a low B minus. I think we have different ideas or different like <laughs> what does a B mean are different. So it's it's possible that your B is the same as my B minus. But Yeah, it could be. It could be. Um all right, so the scene I'm talking about is Spoilers. there this is after this is where the police are camping out, hanging out, drinking in their neighborhood in, in Chicago and saying, Hey, we're here because the Black Panthers killed a cop and we're hanging out. And so they're like, there's maybe five or six people there, including um, Bill O'Neill. Bill O'Neill. Then there's several, maybe four or five, I guess, officers or enlisted folks of the Black Panther Party Army. And so just two people end up taking on like 20 cops. You know, they there's two like three or four people shooting at like eight at first and they call in reinforcements then it's like 20 and so like what was the point of that like what did they think was going to happen there didn't seem to be any cause to ramp up the violence in any way that would mean anything significant for the movement and they end up torching the place you know, and it was cool with how they have it rebuilt, you know, and with part of the Rainbow Coalition coming in, part of the gangs kind of working together. So that, I mean, it led to that, which is pretty cool, but it, I didn't buy that. Like, why wouldn't, like, why wouldn't, hey, why don't we all get out the back here? Because clearly we're going to die. And when they didn't need to. I think uh, that bothered me. It's possibly reason. part of it is like, you know, defending the location. And it's possible, you know, the police officers. We're gonna come in and arrest them. We're coming and shoot them anyway. Like, I mean, why are they there if not to do that? I don't know. So I, know, I think but it's just, part of it is like defending the location and defending themselves. I guess is maybe the reason for the shooting. But I, I kind of agree with you. Where I'm like, this is like that that escalated quickly. <laughs> it was just like poor strategy. Like there was no other thing that was gonna happen except for you're gonna die, and you weren't you weren't in a back into the wall situation. You know, you, they all could have just gone out the back. I don't know. Uh, so that, well, that they, kinda, maybe the idea if they went out the back, the police would burn the place down. 
Maybe. These are all things. And, and so if there was any evidence in the script of the film to for those things, that would be great. Like, oh, that's that would have been awesome. Like, okay, I guess we got to make a stand here because, you know, like that would, I needed that. Um, yeah, I needed that. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of that. I don't know why that bothered me so much, but it did. And yeah, I think you brought that up while watching. <laughs> I did because it just seems like, well, what are we doing? Like that's silly. Um, oh, oh, I, well, I meant to mention in the non-spoiler section, which I didn't, but I'll mention in the spoiler section is I wish um, they touched on and they kind of did, and this is more like a subtle thing, is uh, Bill O'Neill's kind of like thrill-seeking attitude like you see when he's still in the car like he's 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 smiling i mean and he like and he's like when he's escapes like the the loud like interactions and the heated interactions he's smiling so i wish they kind of that's what i kind of sensed from the character and i kind of wish they they showed us more of that yeah it kind of goes back to his uh you know how he rob was robbing people's cars you know pretending to be an fbi agent you know if there was actually, if he did that more than once, you know, I don't know. That's a pretty thriller-seeking way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's there's probably easier ways to steal a car. Uh, can we talk about the casting for a little bit? The um, uh, Somebody brought this up in an interview I was listening to with Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. You know, so he's British. Uh, Cynthia Revo, who played Harriet, British. <laughs> Uh, David O'Yellow, uh, David O'Yellow, David O'Yellow O is British. He played MLK. Like all these, you know, great African American actors are out there, and they're not playing these iconic African American roles. And I wonder if that's, I wonder why. Uh, it, you know, and something I didn't realize, and I was shocked to hear that Fred Hampton, when he died, was twenty one. Because you definitely don't get that sense. Like he, twenty-one-year-old man to to me is not a is not a grown man. You know, in our society, now it probably was different in the '60s. Certainly, living through the '60s, late '60s, but and I don't know exactly how old uh, Daniel Kaluuya Kaluuya was, but he's thirty-one now. So let's say it was filmed three years ago at the most. He's 28. Like, it's a whole different species of human, a 28-year-old versus a 21-year-old. And I just wonder what it would have been like if there was a 21-year-old actor with the gravitas to kind of pull off all the qualities that we're talking about, we liked about the character, his, you know, uh, steadfastness, his presence, his weight. Um so that's an interesting choice to me. And almost I don't know, doesn't feel like cheating a little bit, maybe? I don't know. Can I can I I'm curious, do you have any can thoughts I give a on theory that? on why that might be? And obviously we never The never age know. thing, yeah. We, yeah, we won't we won't know that unless we tie Shaka King up in an elevator and ask him questions. Or if we just ask nicely, we don't have to tie him up. Um is that I think maybe it's purposeful like the contrast. Like we get um Daniel Kaluuya's you know, gravitas and the power of that character and the willingness to sacrifice. And it's supposed to be like a, like a shocking moment. Like he died at like 21. Like this person so young was so 
ready to give everything. Yeah, I think that's totally accurate and aspect, but it it just you know, I might follow a twenty eight year old somewhere into something awful, but I don't know that I'm gonna follow a twenty one year old. I don't know. It just seemed. Oh, I mean, there's like. And again, the, and I have n- I know nothing about this guy. I know. I've read no books. I've seen no like accurate footage. You know, I don't know. Maybe he does. Just does have this same kind of presence that Kaluuya has. But it, the even more so the fact that it, at least twenty one makes it even more remarkable. Um, I mean, there is that moment in the speech where it's like, I feel like you're twenty and like you're thinking about joining. You say I'm too young to die. Then you're already dead. Yeah, That's, there is that. But I didn't see that as a 21-year-old saying that about a 20-year-old. It looked like a you know, 28-year-old or 30-year-old saying that about a 21-year-old, 20-year-old. I don't know. Again, it's not a huge deal, but it's, it is, it's, a, it's something. Anything else you want to say about the movie? No, I think we. I, I wish we were. I wish we had more to say about this, but nothing's coming to mind because this is like an interesting, you know, movie to have a conversation about. And I feel like we're we're running out of ideas too quickly. Well, it makes me want to. It makes me want to watch a documentary about the Black Panther Party because again, I went in very ignorant about it. Like honestly, my most vivid impression of the Black Panthers comes from other media. It comes from the movie Forrest Gump, where Forrest Gump goes into a Black Panther party. He says, "I'm sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party." And then I like there was a Family Guy where they had put somebody like a juxtaposition into a Black Panther party, and that so like basically I didn't know anything. Again, militant, militant. Yeah, that's all I've group. seen of the Black Panther party and like other media is like black people in hats with AK-47s. Isn't it insane? Like again, the how the United States government. Like in Hoover, like legitimately viewed, like empowering black people in America as a stronger and more destructive force than like other countries and other. Uh, that just it just it's hard to believe it happened, except for it's like so easy to believe that it happened. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I like, can't believe we do. Like, oh, it oh, it's what no we've done sense. since like the, the beginning of this nation. It really is. It really is the beginning, but it's still it's like. Uh, I mean, I'm glad this film is out there for multiple reasons. One, because I like the film. But two, but like people need to know. <laughs> this is our history. This is not that long ago. And they were murdering. They were murdering citizens. That's pretty horrible. It's also like, it's hard to believe this nation that was like began with the, like, the genocide of another culture. <laughs> like, is, is this terrible? And we've been sold this American myth, this American myth of exceptionalism, you know? Um, at any rate, uh, I think that's all I've got. I think so. I will say that, like, with the ending, I, I enjoyed that final conversation. Well, let's talk about that. Let me say it. The final conversation between the, the Keith Stanfield and Jesse Plemons, where uh, Jesse Plemons, you know, gives him the keys to this, uh, to the the owning of a gas station, and he says, "You're free." And then, uh, like, contrast to uh, Fred Hampton saying, "Like, we we're not fighting capitalism with black capitalism; we're fighting capitalism with socialism." And I mean, that's just like. That's just black capitalism. Like, you're not, you're just, you, the only thing that has changed 
in this like fight is that you are richer. Yeah, and and you are free because of that. Because that's quote the only unquote. way. Exactly, quote unquote free. That's the only way they can. Uh, that character could envision being free is economically through capitalism. I definitely didn't know the Black Panther Party were Marxists. You know, I'm not sure what I thought they were, but you know, I didn't know there was such a uh, underpinning of you know sociology and and you know and economic philosophy and political philosophy behind that. Um. So yeah, it makes me want to read some more about it and or watch the documentary or, or get more familiar with the. And the documentary uh, MLK FBI came out recently, and that's kind of what about it's about this. We should about watch the FBI that. hounding of MLK. Yeah. And then you, uh, weren't you taught by the, like the brother of the person who made that movie? Am I completely wrong about that? Oh, is that the one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was an actor. He studied with, um, he's an actor and a playwright and studied with my teacher. And then he taught a playwriting for actors class. It was, you know, incredibly important uh, to me. Uh, so, yeah, I've forgotten that that was it. We, t- we totally need to watch that. That's uh, Marie Therese uh, Girgis and Stephen Adler Girgis. Uh, I don't like. I, I'll look up whether he's involved. But he's not. He's not. Okay. It was his sister, and she's one of the producers, I believe. Um, maybe an executive producer. I'm not positive. But anyways, we we would definitely need to. I think we need to explore further. I definitely don't know my history when it comes to this. All right, so I gave it a B. You gave it a B minus. I think so. I, gave it a, I said I said low B minus. It's B minus minus. B minus minus. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, all right. So, what are you reading? I am kind of jumping around. Like I'm, I'm jumping around from Sandman to the Metamorphosis and other Franz Kafka stories to Roger Ebert's great movies. Yeah, that's why I'm jumping around. I'm not. That's fine. I should, I'm not not as focused as I should be. So what about I'm, you? Oh, well, I should. I was going to ask about that. See, I usually have a couple going at one time. Your mom is usually one at a time. Um, so I'm doing a brief history of seven killings. I'm also like, um, looking at a, a, a book on Stoics, lives of Stoics. Those are, those are my main two for right now, but I still didn't finish the Firefly graphic novel. I need to do that. And uh, I got a couple other things that are kind of started, but not really read. So I'm behind on my reading. Yes. It's been a busy couple of weeks. It has indeed. It has indeed. All right, so what do we have any uh, podcasts coming up that they can, people can look forward to? Uh, yeah, we're still yet to record a podcast on Malcolm and Marie. We might do that today. We might do that some other time. <laughs> uh, we also The Dig. We want to watch and record a podcast on... Oh, uh, let me... I'm getting I'm pulling it up. A Glitch in the Matrix, the Rodney Asher documentary. Uh we also want to watch that and record a podcast on it. I care I a think lot. I'm most excited about that one. I know. I'm really, I'm really excited about that okay, one. Okay, good. For some reason, like, I want to watch a documentary right now. Maybe it's because we just watched a historical movie, but I, I want to watch a documentary. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, Jay Blakeson's I Care A Lot comes out on Friday. We're going to watch that. We're going to record a podcast on it. Um, and of course, we got uh, our oh, weekly uh, WandaVision. Uh, oh, yeah, weekly WandaVision. And the world to come, Mona Fastvolt. I think that's in theaters now, but available for us to watch March 2nd. We might watch that and record a podcast on it. We might not. 
you never know where you keep your guessing. <laughs> yeah, Alright. So until next time. Will it be will it be a couple days till he uploads or will it be six months? <laughs> Who can say? Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Uh day did I go home until we meet again. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Cerzier and Antoine Lillard. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.